Hello, and welcome to Pridecast, the official podcast of Hofstra Athletics. I'm Stephen Gorchop. And I'm Mike Neely. On episode 21 today, we chat with head women's basketball coach, Danielle santos Atkinson. And we hope you enjoy our conversation. Go Pride. Hello, Hofstra fans, and we are now here with head women's basketball coach, Danielle Santos-Atkinson. Welcome, coach. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, we're, we're running with this uh, podcast as you're running towards the start of your season, and uh, Mike, we'll uh, let you open it up. Hey, coach. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to take a little deep dive uh, on your career, uh, starting from the beginning. So, you know, you ended up as a student athlete at the University of Florida. Uh, can you start us off with, you know, your playing career when you realized uh, you could play Division One basketball at that high level? Um, you know, and then kind of enter your career a little bit at the University of Florida. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, I started playing basketball when I was really little. Um, I've got three older siblings and they all played. So naturally it was just something that I was around uh, a a good bit and something that I just jumped into and then fell in love with. Uh, In high school, as I continued to to play, not only our high school season, but also uh, in the summers, AAU, I started getting interest uh, going into my freshman year. Uh, And when I started getting that interest, it was pretty exciting, but I played on a local AAU team. Uh, we didn't travel a good bit. And, and it was at that point my dad said, okay, you've got to go and, and leave the nest, I guess you can say, because he coached our, our local team uh, and go on and play for somebody else. And, and he said, somebody that you'll listen to is what he said. Um, and so once I switched to AAU teams and, and I, I started playing on a different circuit, uh, I, I got a lot more attention. Uh, and then going into our high school season and, and also uh, my high school coach, Krista, uh, she did a really good job of getting in contact with different collegiate coaches and, and uh, putting out my information. And so through that, throughout my high school career, you know, I developed a lot of a lot of relationships with a lot of coaches and ultimately uh, felt as if Florida was the place for me. I, I really loved the staff that I was signing with uh, and then also the staff that I ended up playing for, which was different uh, and, and, and enjoyed it. And so throughout my collegiate career, we had uh, some really, really good years, obviously, with the coaching staff and with the change. It took us a year to um, to really get going. Uh, but when we did, I made lifelong friends, um, lifelong mentors and my coaches uh, and, and really enjoyed my career there. And you're being a little modest, too, because this and one of the things that that kind of you'll see as we talk about your career and, and the listener will see is the success that you've had. Right. So you kind of downplayed a little bit. You had three postseason appearances <laughs> when you were in, in college at the University of Florida, including two NCAA tournament appearances. You know, kind of talk about your first experience, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, I think going into college, it's something that you you want to do that you you live for. And it's experience. And until you experience it, you, you really don't understand what that feels like. Um, and going in first, just going into the selection show, that is that's an awesome experience, being able to sit there and hear your name called. Uh, you put in work all year long in, in hopes and in, in goals of reaching the NCAA tournament, being able to play 
uh, in a postseason tournament, uh, you you put in all those blood, sweat, and tears throughout the year. And so to be able to hear your name called was a really exciting moment. Uh, and then to be able to see who you're playing and then to be able to jump into the preparation for that game. And so it's something that you can say one of 64 teams that you go into is able to do and you're one of those 64. It's pretty a cool it's pretty cool experience. Uh, Danielle, so uh, going back to high school slash uh, college uh, trans- transformation, you were hurt your senior year in high school, um, and then you entered college kind of as, I guess, maybe in your head, maybe a little bit of an unknown. H- how were you able to manage, you know, it was a serious injury, and then going to such a high-level basketball, what 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 drove you to, to recover and get ready for what became, you know, a, a very – as Mike and you had just discussed, a very successful college career. Uh, yes, as, as you mentioned, getting hurt my senior year was so tough. Um, we felt as though that year, uh, with everything that we had coming back, we had at least five seniors on the team that year, and we'd been playing together since middle school. Uh, we really felt like we had an opportunity to win a state championship that year. Uh, so it was really tough getting hurt and, and going out. Um, but one of the things that I think helped me was I ran track my entire life um, and my legs were really, really strong, as the doctor said. And so when I tore my knee, uh, I only tore my knee. So there wasn't much bruising. I didn't tear any other, I didn't tear any other ligaments, meniscus, anything like that. Uh, so my recovery was a lot quicker than I, than I think most. And so my doctors did a phenomenal job. The PT that I went through, when I came back, I felt as though as a player, I'd never, I'd never done anything to my leg. Um, I never wore a brace. I just jumped right back in uh, when I was released to play uh, and felt great. And so it took me probably, I, I had surgery in, in December, January of my senior year. You, were, you, you remember that? That was like uh, a few years back. <laughs> I know, but when you go through something like that, uh, you you remember that. Um, but by the by the time we started, I missed that summer uh, at Florida. I was there, but it was all PT. I, I couldn't do anything with the team. Um, but by the time we started in the fall, I was ready and I was full go. Uh, and so as tough injury, but I had had a couple teammates on my team at the time that had also torn their knee and, and came back from that injury. So they gave me a lot of support as well as my coaches. Uh, and I just always felt as if once I came back, I was going to be back to the player I was, and there was never any hesitation about what that would look like. So coach, that brings us to um, your first coaching stint at Hofstra. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I actually started as freshmen, quote unquote, yes. here at Hofstra at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2006, I was a freshman basketball manager. That was your first uh, full-time assistant coaching position, I believe. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of start out of the gate with some some really great success here at Hofstra. Uh, you know, that team, that 06-07 team was, was dynamite. So, uh, you know, can you talk about getting to Hofstra for the first time, that team, you know, and, and kind of what your, your time at Hofstra means to the start of your coaching career? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, being able to start out right away as a coach um, was was a, an opportunity that does, does not always come around. And so just to be able to come in and, and not have to come in uh, necessarily, get your foot in the door as a graduate assistant or as a video, um, that was a great opportunity for me. I, I remember talking on the phone to Krista and, and she said, you know, I may have a spot up here for you. And I'm like, oh, that's great. 
And I, and she said, as a coach, and I'm like, as an assistant coach. And she's like, yeah, because I thought we were talking about a graduate position. Um, and she's like, as an assistant coach. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, but you never realize as a player, uh, what the other side looks like and, and what that is all and goes into the preparation, uh, and all that's entailed with being a coach. Uh, when you're a player, you show up at the gym, uh, you get extra work in, you, you practice and then you leave and you go home and, uh, you watch film and go on about your business. You don't realize, uh, all that goes into it when you are on the coaching side. And so that for me, uh, was definitely an eye-opening experience <laughs> um, coming in and, and really getting a feel and, and understanding what it takes to be a coach and what it takes uh, to be a coach and to, you know, to work at the level and the expectation Krista demanded. Uh, starting out, I, I appreciate that from her. Um, I appreciate her pushing me uh, as she did in high school and she held no punches and it was great. And there were so many things that I looked back on later in my career um, that in the moment at Hofstra, I, I probably was a pain in her butt, but later in my career, I would call her and say, thank you. You know, thanks for pushing me to do X, Y, Z. Thanks for teaching me, uh, never to accept no and to find a way and figure it out. Uh, cause there were a lot of lessons that, that stuck with me throughout my career, um, and, and that have helped shape me as a coach. And so, uh, really appreciated a lot of those things, but like you said, that first year they were talented, uh, and so that we always say, you know, great players make a great coach, and and there was a lot of talent on that 06-07 team, uh, and they really helped, and and they were competitive, and and they really wanted to win. There were a lot of seniors on that team that that wanted to go out with a bang, and I think they did. So Danielle, obviously, we, we probably know what the answer is going to be to this question, judging by how you just kind of uh, answered the previous question. But uh, looking back and being just thrust into being a full-time assistant coach right after finishing uh, your undergraduate degree, uh, how much now looking back at that year, 14 years ago, does that, did that benefit you for the following 14 years? Yes, absolutely. Um, Krista allowed us so much hands-on experience. She gave me so much responsibility right away uh, that whether I succeeded or I failed in the moment, it, it was helping to shape me as a coach. And so there were things that um, I know some of my colleagues have, have probably not done, you know, a, as a coach that she allowed us to do um, in, in our time. And it was great. You know, she, she really helped, helped shape uh, the start of my career to, to continue to build on from there. But there's so many lessons that I learned. There's so many uh, responsibilities that I was able to get right away um, that some coaches aren't able to get until three or four years into their, into their career. And, and she trusted us with that and, and allowed me uh, to get that experience very, very early. Speaking of lessons learned, uh, the Hofstra women's basketball team learned that year that they could be ranked opponents. Uh, yeah. you, you, you mentioned it uh, on a, another uh, thing we do, the get to know you thing, that the most memorable moment in your uh, Hofstra career was the win over Michigan state and uh I know this is a podcast and people can't see over my shoulder, but there's a photo right there, Danielle, of uh, the team celebrating. It's, it's probably one of my most memorable moments here, too. Uh, and that team has some of my most favorite student athletes I've ever coached, including my number one most favorite. Can you talk about a moment like that uh, for the program and kind of what it means to you as um, as you look back at it? Yeah, um, I love that. Everybody loves a good underdog story. Um, and we were underdog to that Michigan State team 
and, and there were some great players uh, on that team. And so to see the way that team prepared going into that game, uh, and as I mentioned, we had some competitors on the team, and that's what I loved about the players on that team is they never backed down from anybody. Um, but the way they prepared going into that game and the mentality they had going into that game I don't believe, and, and you can ask them now, and they may say something different, but I, I think going into that game, they always felt as though they could win it. And I think that was the difference going into that game is when you have players that have that prepared the way they did and go into the game believing that they can win, even though they may seem outmatched on paper, uh, it changes the game and it, and it creates that opportunity for them to be able to win the game. And, and just to see them. Um, I love the pictures because that's what you love as a coach is the joy in their faces, um, them being able to pull back on that experience and share that experience later in life. Those are the things that you remember, not only winning the game, but man, how we celebrated the feeling that you had in the last moments in the last seconds of that game. Uh, those are the things for them that, that I'm sure they cherish, uh, now later in life. It's so crazy. Even as like a staff member, uh, it's now, 13 years, uh, 14 years ago, like I can remember so many aspects of not only that game, but yeah. the trip. I can tell you the hotel we stayed yeah. at. I can tell you we flew, <laughs> we flew home on Thanksgiving day. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like it, it's wild, like successful nights and memorable moments like that. How much you remember mm -hmm. of those moments. Yes. And those are, that's what you want to make in college. You want a memorable moments. You said it right there. What are the memorable moments that you can take away when you graduate? Um, because there's, you know, you graduate and like you say, 14 years later, there's, there's not a whole lot that you remember, but you'll remember those memorable moments once you, once you leave. And uh, speaking of memorable moments from that season, yeah, the program went on quite a run in the uh, WNIT to end the season. Uh, it was a, it was a whirlwind <laughs> uh, couple trips from here to there to South Carolina. And I think, uh, you know, if I look back, the, the ending happened more as a result of exhaustion than, yeah. <laughs> than anything else. Uh, how do you look back at that run uh, to the uh, lead eight of the uh, WNIT uh, and the, you know, remarkable win over uh, South Carolina along the way, et cetera? Yes. Um, like you said, more memorable moments. I think that team was so determined uh, down the stretch and gave every single thing that they had. And, and as you mentioned, I think it was just sheer exhaustion, exhaustion um, that, that kind of ended, ended the year, but they fought and scrapped for every little piece. And so to be able to look back and say the, the national champs from just a few years ago, hey, we beat them. <laughs> um, you know, as, as a player, you can say we beat them when I was in college. Um, that's, you know, those are experiences that you want to have, but that team fought and they fought to the very, very end. Um, I do, I do remember we played some home games, one or one or two home games that we play in that stretch. And so yeah. just appreciative of being able to do that. That makes a difference, you know, when you're in the, when you're in the tournament and what Hofstra had to do in order to make that happen, um, for us to, to be able to play at home. That was great. That helped obviously in that run as well. I do remember the meet, the press conference after the South Carolina win somebody coming over to us and saying, you're playing Western Kentucky. As, I don't know. I think the South Carolina game was like on a Thursday. You're playing on Saturday. And we were like, wait, wait, it, it's, <laughs> it was, it's now like 10 o'clock on Thursday night. And we had to be right. in somewhere, somewhere we had never been in the state yep. of Kentucky in like 18 hours. So yes. yeah, that, that was a yes. fun little trip. Yeah. And the last minute travel and having to do all that at, uh, 
Yeah, it's a lot on top of preparing and not knowing who you're going to play next. So, Coach, after four, uh, you know, four seasons in Hofstra, you know, you finish your first four as an assistant coach and you move on to Illinois State. Again, had a lot of success there, the WNIT uh, second round and then the semifinals. Um, You know, talk about that move from Hofstra to Illinois State and then your two years there and and what that meant to you as, as a developing coach. Yeah, um, going to Illinois State, it was only there two years, but a lot of growth in those two years. Um, I I really, truly believe I'd been with Krista for a long time. Um, You know, I'd been with her in high school and then four years here. I felt like being under a different type of leadership and a a different leader to be able to learn philosophically, um, even offensively, defensively, uh, just management, things like that, being able to learn uh, a different view and a different perspective was great for my career. Um, You get to a point, you always say, you know, when, when you're comfortable, you're not growing. And I think the move really pushed me outside of my comfort zone and working with the staff and working with people that I didn't know. I didn't know Stephanie Glantz prior to going there. Um, And now she is a great friend and and one of my biggest mentors. Um, But pushing myself outside of my comfort zone, it really helped me to grow. Uh, And so in those two years, I I made lifelong friends in the community. Um, And we also went there to a team that had been very, very successful and had had a lot of success. And so being able to go in and manage that as a new staff um, and, and again, learn different ways of doing things. Uh, Stephanie coming from NC State, there was a lot of things that she had brought to the program um, and and wanting to run Illinois State as a a BCS program. And and I appreciated that. Um, She came in with really high expectations and, and really high goals. For, for the team, for the staff individually, and she pushed us to be our best. And, and I thought, it, and, I, and I enjoyed the way that she did that with the players and how she did that with the staff. And, and again, it was, a, it was a great two years to be able to learn um, um, under her. So you just, you brought up kind of something we were going to talk about later, but we'll, we'll get into it now. I was lucky enough, one of the first meetings we had with you back as the head coach at Hofstra was with Stephanie Glantz. She was on campus one day uh, and you're like, hey, you want to come have a quick meeting with Stephanie? I was like, oh my God, really? Uh, yeah. And we had a great conversation about the KL Foundation and, and the great work they're doing and how you know we support them really well. So do you want to talk about that relationship? Yes. Uh, again, like you said, phenomenal. I think what she does well is she helps people to reach their potential um, and how she does that is, is such a way. She is, she's a great motivator, um, and she can inspire people to do things that they may feel they, they did not uh, have the ability to do. Um, and so she, she helps instill confidence, uh, and, and she's just a great leader and motivator in that way. Um, and she's very, very genuine and pours into people uh, and gives of herself. And so, so appreciative of, of her and the things that she does, not only for, for me, but also in the community. And like you said, the work that she has done with the, with the KEL Fund and the, um, the foundation has been phenomenal. The amount of money that they've raised um, and the things that they're doing to, to have an impact on, on the lives of, of the cancer survivors um, is phenomenal. And so I really commend her for the work that she does with that program, uh, well, with that foundation, uh, and appreciate everything, uh, like you said, that she's instilled and, and gives to me. And she has some incredible stories. I mean, after sitting down for an hour with her, you, you're, the, the takeaway is incredible. Yeah. Some of the stuff you come away with. 
Yeah, I mean, she's done it for a very, very, very long time. And so there, she can sit there and, and tell you stories for hours. Yeah. So, uh, Danielle, uh, like you said, you were at De- Illinois State for a couple of years, and then you made your first big move into big-time Power 5 programs. Uh, you would go on to Kentucky and start a run there that really uh, but I pushed you to the level of success you would experience year in and year out at a multitude of institutions. Uh, what was that, uh, what was the start of that like? And kind of, did you feel that the beginning at Kentucky kind of led you to where you are today, having the opportunity to coach at a power five like that? Yes, absolutely. Um, very, very appreciative of Matthew. Uh, he, again, we had a prior relationship. We were uh, together at Florida. And so he actually recruited me out of high school uh, and, and coached me at Florida for a couple of years before moving on to take the job. Um, but great experience uh, learning under him. Uh, who, being at Kentucky, obviously, is basketball country. Um, they always say that's the, uh, you know, between Kentucky and Louisville, those are professional sports teams uh, in Kentucky. And it's just a great experience being able to be at an institution um, like that, that valued basketball so much and had so much support um, and people that rally behind it. Uh, it. It was great. It was great to be a part of. Um, also a part of teams, as you mentioned, that were very, very talented uh, and, and really had a lot of success in those two years. Again, continued to learn different leadership styles and ways of doing things. And that's what I've appreciated about everywhere that I've been uh, is, is the, the knowledge uh, to, that there's so many ways to skin a cat uh, and that there's so many ways that you can be successful. There, there's not one way to do it. Um, and so seeing that very different places from Kentucky to, to Florida State, Hofstra, and, and Illinois State, all very different, and, but all very successful programs. Um, so being able to, to be a part of that was, was special. And, and again, helping me continue to, to learn. Um, but that first move at the BCS level, understanding those expectations and, and what it took, um, that it was a great start to, to understanding that. And uh, in that Kentucky uh, era for you, uh, you, you went to the Sweet 16 and you went to the Elite Eight. Now, obviously, you had experienced some uh, incredible success at both Hofstra and Illinois State, but not to the level of Elite Eights in the NCAA tournament or Sweet 16s. Can you talk us through, you're, you're still a young assistant coach at that point. Like, are you in awe of what your program's doing? Are you kind of, are you in the moment? Are you not in the moment? Like, what's the experience like getting to an Elite Eight for, uh, obviously the national championship is the goals of goals, but that, that's pretty high level stuff right there. Yes, it is. It is, like you said, it is, a, it's, it's hard to put into words because you work so hard for something and, and your head is down and it's a constant grind, grind, grind um, to get to where you are that you do have to stop and say, we're about to go to the lead eight or being in a game and, and looking and saying we're minutes from almost making a final four. Um, you have to stop and take those moments because you can get caught up uh, in the process of, of trying to, to, to make it further and further and further. Uh, the expectations are so high and you are looking to get to a final four. You're looking to get to an elite eight. Um, so at times when you fall short of that, again, you have to remind yourself of, of the success and, and not feel as though you underachieved um, because again, the expectations are so high, but in that moment, being able to 
to see the student athletes. That's the biggest thing for me is see the student athletes uh, enjoy the moments that they've worked so hard for. Uh, that's such a rewarding experience uh, as a coach um, and being in the moment and in the in the big dance, being one of eight teams left playing in the whole country, uh, that's pretty special. So uh, after Kentucky, uh, like we've discussed, some incredible success, you go on to Florida State. So when you accept the job at Florida State, does the president of Florida ask for your diploma back? How does that work? <laughs> at what point in that process does somebody from Florida say you're no longer welcome here? Yeah, well, I had a, two, a few teammates that uh, told me that exact thing. <laughs> oh, wow. I was making a joke. <laughs> I got text messages saying, congratulations, don't ever call me again. <laughs> uh, or we're part of uh, group chats and, you know, we're, we're celebrating and being excited for the football team or that. And anytime I make a comment, they say, oh, your comment is not warranted. <laughs> Not wanted. Um, and so it, it was good. It was fun. I know um, uh, Coach Sue may have received some hate mail, but it, that is a deep, 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 uh, you know, rivalry there that that is, is that goes pretty far back. And so it was a different experience. Um, and a lot of people gave me a lot of flack for it. But obviously, um, you know, I'm a Gator and I'm a Seminole, if that if that's possible. Yes, yeah, certainly is possible. And uh your, your career elevated there like no other. Um, what, what was the impetus for maybe uh, the career to really take off, it looks like, at Florida State from maybe being the recruiting coordinator or obviously you had experienced so much success already. What, what, what was it about Florida State that really said, Danielle Santos is now this? Um, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what would do it for somebody else. Um, but I know for me, one of the things that I enjoyed was how Sue ran that program. Um, again, very different from anybody else that, that I've worked for um, in, in some ways and, and similar in, in other ways uh, to some of the coaches. But again, learning, I'm coming from Kentucky, who uh, Kentucky and Florida State could probably be two different ends of the spectrum. So coming in, I, I'm thinking one way and uh, my mind is this is how you do it and you have success and coming in and, and ha going through a totally different experience um, and still being able to have the same success was was great and to learn um, getting started. I would ask so many questions. Aren't, aren't we going to do this or why don't we do this? And it was just that's not how we do it. Um, and so that was an adjustment. But once that adjustment came about, uh, it was great to see to say, you know what? you can do it this way or you can do it that way. Um, and then ultimately looking at now becoming a head coach, how do, how do you want to do it? Um, and I think I fall somewhere, you know, along that spectrum, but it was just being able to, again, be a part of a community that rallies behind the athletics um, to be a part of an institution that, that much like here at Hofstra has so many sports teams that have so much success within their program and within the athletic department. Um, it was a, was great to be a part of. So coach, you then after four years at Florida state, uh, make the jump to the associate head coach level, still in the power five at, uh, the university of Pittsburgh. You were there for a year. Um, tell us about that move. Um, you know, getting more responsibilities, the associate head coach, do you feel like you're on the trajectory to, uh, you know, to get that first head coaching spot from there? 
absolutely. Um, that year at Pitt, my eyes opened up to, to so much more um, of what it took to become a head coach. Uh, I've got a great relationship with Lance White, the head coach at Pitt. Uh, he was at Florida State, and when he got the job, he said, come help me build this thing. Um, he said, you're so close and you have everything it takes to become a head coach. He said, come, I don't care if you stay for a year, five years, 10 years, um, just come and, and, and help us get going. And I want to do whatever I can to help you uh, become a head coach as well. And so, that, you know, went with him that first year, obviously in any first year, it's tough. And it is a, you put your head in the sand and you just dig, 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 dig that entire year. Um, but in, in helping to lay that foundation for that first year and, and to see him um, start off his head coaching career uh, and, and really push that program in the direction he wants it to go uh, was great. And, and like I said, the responsibility I was able to have that year, um, as well as some of the decisions and the conversations, uh, definitely helped in preparing me to become a head coach. So after that one year pit uh, on April 13th, 2019, you were named the 12th head coach in Hofstra program history. Um, so let's talk first, you know, before we even get into your first year here, let's talk about the moment you were offered the job here. Uh, you know, after learning about the opening, you know, kind of going through that process and, and being interested in, and thinking you could build the program here and then the press conference, you know? Yeah. So when I first saw the opening, of course, my brain did not go to, um, ooh, I'd love to have that job, right? Um, That was there and obviously in in the back of my mind, but because of my relationship with Krista, that's where I went first uh, and that staff. Um, And so reached out to her and and having those conversations um, with her about her stepping away uh, from coaching, that, that was my thoughts and, and my concerns first was with Krista. Um, and then having conversations with her, um, obviously in the back of my mind, I always say, man, that would be a great head job, right? That would be a great place. Um, not only because I had already had experience in being here before, but just because of, of everything else, the, 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 the people that are here, the location, um, the location not only of the university, but in, in regards to recruiting and the, the regional talent that's here. Um, and so for all those reasons as, as well. And so once I, I talked to Krista, I immediately um, spoke with uh, Lance at, at Pitt in my interest in this job. And so we went on fast forward um, to the conversations and the communication with Hofstra um, had an, had an interview, a couple interviews, um, and then came to campus. And, and after being offered the job, I think my, I, I was out of breath, had no words. Um, in the moment, obviously, I've got a great poker face. <laughs> um, that's one thing about me that I can usually say um, is, you know, is one of my strengths. But uh, in the room when I'm, when I'm with Cleveland, my husband, and we're talking and I am just bawling and he's just like, man, you know, because you, you work so hard. Again, we talk about the student athletes working so hard for something. And, and as a coach in your career, you, you work so hard to ultimately um, become a head coach and, and you feel like that moment is here and, and not you've done it and you've arrived because I, I never think that's the case. There's always more that you want to do. Um, and you want to continue to grow. 
but you have a moment that you've worked so hard for. Um, and it was such a cherished moment for me to hear those words um, and to be able to experience that moment uh, with my husband and, and let that sink in for a minute. Um, I wanted to just scream yes right away, obviously, <laughs> when I'm with the job. But I said, okay, let me go back, talk to my husband and, and do all that. Um, but it was, a, it was definitely a no-brainer and, uh, for me and, and taking the job and coming here to Hofstra. And then now we're here, going into year two. And yep, now we're here about 18 months or so since the, you said yes to the job through tears, I guess. Um, <laughs> building the program. You, you've done, uh, you, you've had to uh, do a lot of different things differently just because it's your program now. H how do you start that process? Uh, you know, obviously somebody from the outside thinks recruiting, thinks this, thinks that. But it's really just there's a foundation that you need to do. And how did you kind of instill that in your team? Yeah, um, the, the one thing that we knew coming in that we had to do was develop the relationships with the people that were here on this team. Um, like you said, a, a lot of people go right into the recruiting aspect, which you have to do, no question. Um, from year one to year two to year 20, you, you're going to have to recruit. Um, but there are players that are here and you have a team that is here and on campus and you have to have relationships with those people. So that's where we had to start first was, was building the relationships with the current team um, as we continue to recruit and build and develop. Uh, we wanted to make sure that our core values, um, we instilled those core values, honestly, discipline, hard work and enthusiasm, uh, and that we, we came in with an understanding that we are working to build a foundation so we can develop a level of success that can sustain and to not have one hit wonder seasons. And so that's what was so important for us was how do we come in and do, do everything we needed to do uh, that, that was for the long term and not make decisions that were just in the moment. Um, so whether that is from development, uh, you want to come in and jump in and start doing uh, a lot of complex things, but we've got to work on our fundamentals, whether that is from uh, a discipline aspect, whether that's from uh, a teaching aspect, it, it, all of those things, you have to make decisions uh, based on the long-term uh, longevity of your program and not just for the immediate moment. Uh, and you have to do that in recruiting as well. You've got to recruit players that fit your program uh, for the now, but also are able to take you where you want to go uh, in recruiting. And so we want to recruit high character student athletes. Uh, we just don't want student athletes that are extremely talented, but don't have the val all the other values that, that we believe in that you have to have to be a part of our program. Uh, and sometimes that's tough when you want to turn a program around and, and you want to go for um, maybe a student athlete that's a that's a great athlete, but may not fit your program. Uh, very, very talented and skilled, but may not fit your program. And, and you've got to make those decisions and, you, and you've got to make the decisions, again, for the longevity of your program. You've got to understand that we're going to get players in here that are going to work hard every single day, that are going to give of themselves and compete every single day, whether it's in practice or whether it's in the games. Uh, and then we will get to the point to where this, where we see the results that we want to see. You talked a lot over the last uh, half an hour or so about relationships and how that important is to you. And you kind of just touched on it there with building those relationships with uh, the student athletes that were on the team that you took over. Uh, also in that is like the alumni connection, whether you're looking back at your first four years at Hobbs from those student athletes or today's graduates, 
Uh, can you talk about the alumni aspect and how important that is to you? Yes, so important. Um, we are going to be very, very intentional. We've already made that a goal of ours for this year is to try and touch base with everybody that's, that has come through our program. Um, it's, it's so important for our current student athletes to be able to see the relationships that the, the former student athletes have with, with the program, with Hofstra, um, with them, with our staff, uh, so that once they graduate, they understand that that connection is still going to be there that we want them to come back and be a part of what it is that we're doing. We want our current student athletes to see the success that our, that our alum are having um, coming from Hofstra and to be able to have that network uh, and to be able to share those relationships once they get older. Um, and so it's so important. It's so, so important to us to have the support of our alum um, and to be able to, to cultivate those relationships uh, and to be able to, to pull on uh, those connections, whether it be, you know, our current student athletes uh, or our staff, we want that to be very, very strong. And it was great to see last year for the alumni weekend, how many of, especially the 2006 to 2010 uh, group, uh, you know, who you had coached previously here, uh, how many of them showed up and, and it looked like, you know, you guys had just seen each other the weekend before. It was, it was really something to see. Yes, that, that's one of the things that I love about coaching uh, is the lifelong relationships. I tell recruits all the time, you are stuck with us. So if this is something that you only want to, to have for four years, this is not the place. Um, because once you sign on that dotted line, you're stuck with us. Um, and, and that's one of the things that I love about coaching is not only seeing student athletes reach their goals while they're here at Hofstra, but reach their goals in life. Um, whether it's their career goals or their personal goals, uh, then starting a family, going on to play professionally uh, and, and reaching their basketball goals post-college. Those are the things that you love to see uh, out of your student athletes. And so being able to maintain those relationships beyond the four years uh, and that, that you coach them or, or that they're in college is really special and something that I cherish. So, you know, then your season ends last year, and it wasn't the most, uh, you know, typical end to the season and start to, to year two uh, with not being able to team, see your team for six months. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, completely different going into year two. Uh, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you stayed in touch with the team, you know, kind of how that went over six months of, of quarantining and not being on campus uh, that led us up to uh, this week. Yeah, it is. It was a whirlwind. You are at the conference tournament and then you have to come home immediately. And once you come home, everybody goes home for spring break and everybody's going home. And we're thinking with the intentions that we'll see them in, a, in another week or two, um, then we don't see them for six months. <laughs> so that was definitely a surprise for all of us and, and not exactly how we wanted to end the year. Uh, we knew after the year, one of the things that we were looking forward to was the postseason. And in that postseason, really being able to get get in some work and, and development um, to be able to, to make up some ground uh, that, that we didn't have this year throughout conference play. And so for us, um, you know, we, we missed out on that. But one of the things that I absolutely loved was the the, the intentional way of that we had to go about keeping in contact uh, with the players. We probably talked more than we would have if we were on campus, um, just because you you had to. You had to be intentional about it because you would not see this person stop in your office for 30 seconds. Um, when you see somebody each day, it, it maybe for 30 seconds or 
you know, it may be a hi, hello, and passing, you feel like you, you've made that uh, contact with them. So once you are away and, and you're not seeing somebody daily, you have to be intentional about picking up the phone, FaceTiming, calling, uh, Zooming, as we all uh, got really comfortable and familiar with. Um, and so for us, we, we did a lot of that. You know, we, we met with um, a group of uh, former uh, military uh, individuals that run a leadership program called the, called the program. Um, and it was really great. We had a guy that, that met with our team each week and met with a leadership, leadership group of ours um, each week also. And so we went through that for about six or seven weeks, which was awesome. Um, we met as a team regularly. We did lip sync competitions through Zoom. Uh, they did workouts with each other through Zoom. They had movie nights uh, through Zoom. And so we did as much as we can to stay connected. Um, we did some film and some basketball sessions just to try and teach and grow and develop. But ultimately, it was just how do we stay connected with each other so that when we return, uh, we're not too far off from that piece of it. So Danielle, uh, you, your, your team, uh, you kind of coach a team that is very strong, a lot of black women. And uh, we're going through a time in uh, society where there's a lot of social injustice and other thing. How do you view yourself in that aspect as a, both a role model and as your role as empowering young black women uh, kind of aspect? Yeah, for sure. I, I take that very seriously. Um, and in, in coaching, uh, I take my role, uh, like you said, very seriously in terms of being a, a Black woman and being a role model for uh, the student athletes that are part of any program that I'm a part of. But as a head coach now, uh, I want to make sure that they see and understand what it looks like to be a black woman in society, a black woman in society right now. Um, and so for me and empowering them, we've had a, a, a lot of meetings. Um, I allowed them to share and, and have a voice. Um, they've given a lot of input to what it is that they wanted us to do as a team uh, and the different things that they wanted us to be a part of. And that was great for them to see. There's been a lot of people on our team that have stepped up and, and really played an active role and, and have been an active participant um, in this in this current movement. And again, it's been so great to see them step up in different leadership ways. Uh, you have people that are leaders on the court. You have people that are leaders off the court. And to be able to see different people uh, step up in leadership roles during this time that have taken very that have been very passionate in the things that are going on has, has been great to see. And, and I want to just continue to encourage them and to push them to have their voice, um, but also to have a voice and to, and to have action behind their voice um, in a positive way to be able to affect change. Uh, and so coach, you also, you brought up your husband Cleveland earlier. Uh, we also have your kids, London and Madison. So we've been dying to ask you at what point uh, is the next city name uh, and when are we, when, when are we renaming his city to Danielle? Um, yes. Uh, there's no other cities coming about right now <laughs> or for Amazing. the near future. <laughs> no, they're uh, absolutely phenomenal. That's one thing during the uh, quarantine and during that six months, um, I felt like I had a baby and then took off running with baby in tow. Um, so be, to be able to slow down and actually spend that time 
uh, with family while working. Now it was very, very hard having two little ones at home and two full-time working parents at home. Um, that was tough. And so, as I said before, we, we, we worked shifts um, and we both worked the graveyard shift. And so we got most of our work done in the wee hours of the night. Um, but it was, you know, it was just a realization of, of where we were uh, at the time with everything being closed. Um, it's, it's where we were. And so it was tough, but absolutely appreciated that time. Um, it, you got to learn so much more about them. And I think after, after that year that we had, it just, just being so tough, so busy, um, just constantly on the go, being able to slow down and, and have some of that family time was, was, was really nice. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, outside of the profession, you never have gotten a chance to do that once your career probably started. And you probably won't, you know, yeah. so it's so unique. Yes, so unique. We, we will. At least we hope we won't, you know, oh, right. <laughs> if I have to say that. Um, it doesn't, the time is great. I don't need that much time ever again. <laughs> um, no, but it was, I, I enjoyed it. And, and like you said, you, you never have that, you know, even our time right now, although we're back into basketball and we're back in the office and on the court, um, there, it, recruiting is shut down. And so we would normally be traveling here to there to see kids, um, different high school games in the evenings and things like that. And so having that extra time to be able to do a little bit more with our team and pour just a little bit more into our team uh, and not being pulled away for recruiting as much has also been nice. So uh, Madison, uh, excuse me, London goes to Hofstra daycare, correct? Yes. They both are actually in there now. Oh, and you know who else has two kids there? Ryan Watson. And we, yes. we've heard stories that how are, uh, are London and Luke Watson like BFF? They are BFF. And and London loves, Lukey is what she calls him. Oh my Lukey, God. her and Lukey are constantly playing and she always is asking and talking about Lukey and, and what Lukey did and how her and Lukey played with the toys. They have- Yeah, me, me and Mike are big fans of Lukey as well. Yeah. Huge <laughs> Lukey fans, absolutely. Yes, um, Addison and Madison are actually in the same class as well. Oh, that's funny. Oh, my yeah, goodness. And if you ever need to get Luke a gift, he's big into yard work, just so you know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Got so, it. So now, now that we've covered the Ryan Watson portion of the uh, Danielle santos Atkinson <laughs> podcast, uh, we're kind of, uh, to end the today's podcast, we have some fun questions to ask you, Danielle. Uh, don't think too long about these. Give whatever the first thought that comes to mind. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'll, I'll start, Mike. You ready? Uh, favorite vacation spot? Jamaica. Good one. Favorite restaurant on Long Island? Vincent's. Favorite professional sports team? Boston Celtics. Ooh. Uh, most memorable playing moment? Ooh. Uh, beating Tennessee at Tennessee when they're ranked number one on their senior night. Wow, wow. That's, a pretty, that's a pretty good one. Yes. Uh, and we think, uh, oh, actually, you know what? What's your favorite coaching moment? Co I definitely would have to say, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> now that's a tough one. Yeah, this is a lot of, there's a lot of teams you could choose. Yeah, from. that's a tough one. Um, you know what? I'd have to say, hmm. Winning with Florida State to go 
to the lead eight. That's perfect. Yes. Well, coach, uh, we thank you so much for your time. It's a, uh, it's always great to uh, discuss uh, the incredible career you've had so far and look forward to what's going to be an incredible uh, rest of your career. And we can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Have a great day and good luck with the start of your season and start of practice. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on Pridecast. Make sure you follow the Pride online at GoHofstra.com and on social media at Hofstra Pride. And stay tuned for more episodes coming soon.